I got a question for you. This is a real profound question. Are you ready for this? Okay, are you sure? Are you ready? Turn to the person next to you tell them. Are you ready? Are you ready? Come in. Here we go. What if the hokey pokey really is what it's all about? It's a good question, isn't it? Do you remember the hokey pokey? Do you remember that? Remember that? It's that little song and dance, you know, where it tells you to put your right leg in, put your right leg out, and some other body parts, and right, 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 okay, and we shake it all about. Okay, so what we're going to do, we're going to do the hokey pokey together. So stand with me. Would you please stand with me? And let's do it. Let's do it together. If anybody wants to join me on the stage here, that'd be great. Come on up. Come on up. If anyone wants to do it with me, come on. Come on. Let's do it. Ready? Here we go. We're going to join Mr. Panda here. Wow. So how does the last verse end? Put your whole self in. Come on, say it with me. Put your whole self in. You know what this reminds me of? The Apostle Paul. Isn't that crazy? That's like a transition segue and a half right there, right? It reminds me of something that the Apostle Paul wrote about putting our whole selves in. Take a look at it. Romans 12.1. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as, living, as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. We've been talking about the heart of worship the last several weeks. Today we're kind of wrapping off this series, getting ready for Easter next week. But Paul writes to some specific people. Who is he writing to? What's it say? Brothers and sisters, right? So who's he talking to? He's talking to people that are followers of Jesus. That's important for us to get here. He's speaking to those who are already followers of Jesus, those who are already a part of the family of God. That's where the whole brother and sister, I don't know about you, but I grew up in church all my life. And back in the day, some of you relate to this, back in the day, we used to call each other brothers and sisters. Hey, brother, how you doing? Brother so-and-so, brother, sister so-and-so. You know, that's where this came from, this idea of being in the family, adopted into the family of God. And although they were Jesus followers, here's the interesting thing. Even though they were Jesus followers, they needed to be motivated. <laughs> I mean, all too often we think that progress comes automatically, right? If... If a Jesus follower just attends a church service, does a few other things, then he will automatically grow closer to Jesus. But, but it doesn't work that way. Paul didn't buy into this kind of thinking. He urges us to live a particular way of life. He urges us to engage in a process daily. And, and what I get in this verse is when, when someone urges us, it means there is urgency, Right? I urge you, brothers and sisters, because there's an urgency. Paul wants you and I to take these words seriously. Take a look at it again. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy. Wow. You know, I really believe that worship cannot take place until we realize the mercy of God in our lives. Until we realize what God has really done for us. I believe that true worship... Um, it, it doesn't happen until we realize that we wouldn't even have breath to give praise to God if it wasn't for what Jesus has done for us. Amen? Worship can't take place until we grasp this, the mercy of God in our life, the mercy poured out. In fact, Paul tells us in Ephesians 2, once you were dead because of your disobedience and many sins. You used to live in sin just like the rest of the world, but God is so rich in what? Mercy. And he loves us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. This week, 
It's what's called Passion Week, leading up into Easter, the Easter celebration that we're going to have here, but all over the world. It's the time that we remember how God's mercy was demonstrated. How was it demonstrated? When Jesus died on a cross for us. Because of his great love, because of his great mercy, he put his own son on the cross for you and I. We were sinners, but Jesus died for us. Paul says in Romans 5, God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. So Jesus took our place. Turn the person next to you and tell him, Jesus took your place. We need to realize that. We need to grasp that. Jesus took the consequences. Jesus took the punishment of our sins so that we could know God. That's grace and mercy demonstrated. That, that, that should be motivation enough for us to live our lives for God, for us to give our lives for God. Where would we be without the love and forgiveness and mercy and grace of God in our lives? When we recognize what God has done for us through his son Jesus, we're motivated to, to engage we're motivated to, to follow, to worship. Worship is our response to what God has done. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. To offer your bodies. Throughout this Roman letter that Paul writes, he's writing about how our bodies um, have a tendency to not like what God likes. If you've never read the book of Romans, the letter of Romans that Paul wrote, um, when you get to about uh, chapter 4 to about 6 or 7, that's all that it write, he's writing about is how my body, your body, we have a tendency to not like what God likes, that, that we have a tendency in our bodies to not do what God wants us to do. And all of us understand that. We relate to that. And just like the Roman culture of Paul's day, we are surrounded by influences that, that tell us what we should do with our bodies, tell us what we should do with ourselves, that it's natural for your body to have certain appetites. It's natural for your body to have certain desires. So go ahead and satisfy them. If you like it, drink it. If you like it, smoke it. If you like it, snort it. If you like it, swallow it. If you like it, inject it. If you like it, click it. If you like it, watch it. If both of you like it, then it's okay. And the only ethical guideline we have is if it feels good, do it. That attitude dominates our culture. But Paul says this, don't let any part of your body be an instrument of evil to serve sin. Instead, give yourselves completely to God. For you were dead, but now you have new life. Use your whole body as an instrument to do what is right for the glory of God. Paul, he urges us, he urges you and me to offer our bodies, our physical bodies, in worship to God. Wow. Not, we know this goes against what culture tells us, right? I mean, we've been told your life belongs to you. Live it however you want to live it. And then culture gives us the tools we need to make sure that happens. Culture gives us the tools to make sure that you and I, we are the primary focus of our lives. <laughs> I mean, and no, no offense if you're involved in these things or use these things. There's nothing wrong in and of these things by themselves. But, 
There's an attitude there's a, there, in our culture that, that says things like, you, you don't like the way you look? Culture says, no problem. Here's CrossFit, Jazzercise, Zumba, Yoga, Pilates, Liposuction, Implants, Tummy Tucks, Cool Sculpting, Weight Watchers, Nutrisystem, even easier, there's pills that you can take. If your spouse, culture says, if your spouse isn't making you happy anymore, no big deal. There's another man for you. There's another woman for you. Culture says, if you don't like your job, just quit it. You deserve to be happy. So, so we're told by culture, go get that new look. Go get that new car. Go get that new spouse. Go get that new job. Go get that new house. Go get that new family. Culture says, your life belongs to you. You deserve to be happy. And all of us have a tendency to live our lives believing that our lives belong to ourselves. It's my life. But Jesus wants me to offer all of me to him. That's worship. See, worship isn't just something you do. Listen. Worship is how you live. Did you hear that? That's not a fill in on the blanks. You might want to write that down, though. That's something that somebody needs to put somewhere on Instagram or tweet it or something. Worship is not something you do. Worship is how you live. It's true. Jesus doesn't want just part of our lives. Friends, he wants all of us. He wants all of you. Jesus wants all of our thoughts, all of our actions, all of our hands, all of our heart. Sometimes people think that worship is what you do at church on Sunday mornings or, or whenever you go to a church service. You know, you, you come into a room with other people, you sing some songs, kind of like karaoke. We listen to a sermon, you know, some kind of lecture, and then that's worship. And that's, that's all that we're supposed to do. That's what's considered worship. Those should be expressions, part of our worship, but offering myself to Jesus isn't limited to an hour and a half on Sunday morning. That's not worship. Worship involves Sunday, but it also involves Monday through Saturday in your life. Worship isn't just once a week. It should happen all week long. It's not just a church activity. It's an everyday activity. My life is an everyday experience. How many of you would agree with that? Your life is an everyday experience. <laughs> and so Paul is saying that your worship is called to be an everyday experience in your life. We are called to worship God with our lives. Offer your bodies all in, all of life experience. I want you to get this down. Worship is surrendering all of my life to Jesus every day. All of my life, surrendering all of my life to Jesus every day. This isn't in my notes, but this is something to think about. Do we do this? Do we surrender every day? Is, is that what you get up each morning and you think of when you get up and you put your feet on the ground out of bed? Is that what you start thinking about? Is God, how can I worship you today with my life? Whether I 
I, I go to work or I go to school or I'm a stay-at-home parent, whatever. How, how can I worship God with my everyday life? We, we so have a tendency to, to put worship as a Sunday church thing. And Paul is saying it's a surrender all your life thing. It's presenting our bodies every day. It involves everything we do, everywhere we are. That kind of changes it, doesn't it? I mean, when, when you think about my worship, your worship of God, including everything we do and everywhere we are, what kind of worship are you giving God? with your life. If we were to include everything you do in your worship to God, everywhere you go in your worship to God, would God be glorified? Kind of ups the ante, doesn't it? A little bit. See, real worship is a whole nother level than just coming together on Sundays. It involves all of us. You could say, I'm going to church to worship God. You can say that. But you could also say, I'm going to work to worship God. I'm going to school to worship God. I'm going to worship God at home. I'm going to worship God everywhere. That's what we're talking about. It's an all-in thing. Eugene Peterson, in the message paraphrase, he takes this verse and he puts some feet and hands to it. He makes it so real with what he says. Look at his words. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Isn't that good? Hmm. Jesus wants all of me, he wants all of you offered to him. That's worship. Worship is surrendering all of my life to Jesus every day. Look what Paul says. I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a what? Living sacrifice. Wow. This, this word sacrifice comes with, with the backdrop of Old Testament worship. If you don't know, Paul used to be Saul, and his name changed when his experience with God changed. He was a very religious person in the Jewish faith. He was the Hebrew of all Hebrews. And, and so he understood Old Testament worship, sacrificial system of worshiping God. But a living sacrifice, this is something that people did not know at that time. In Paul's day, either, you know, whether you were a Jew or a Gentile, the, the language of sacrifice in a religious system was very common. A priest would take a sacrifice offered by a worshiper, carry it to an altar, kill it, pour out its blood, and then burn the animal's body as worship. Sacrifices were dead. But Paul is not referring to that here. He's not saying that we present our bodies as some sort of atoning sacrifice. Friends, listen. All of the atonement, all of the being made right with God happened on the cross when Jesus died on the cross. No other sacrifice is needed to make that happen in your life and in my life. But Paul is speaking of a different kind of sacrifice. A different kind of surrender. Paul says that out of celebration of what God has done for you, out of in view of God's 
mercy in your life. While Old Testament worshipers offered an animal to God, Paul says a New Testament worshiper, a real worshiper of God, is to offer himself or herself to God as a living sacrifice. The term body means the whole person. It's a a, a complete act of consecration. We give not our dead bodies, but we make a, a living sacrifice, our everyday lives. We surrender to God. Paul says that followers of Jesus need to live in such a way as to make it abundantly clear to the world, to those around them, that my life belongs to God. That it's a very clear thing. It's a very clear distinction between us and those around us. That my life belongs to God. Maybe you need to solidify that distinction in your life. Maybe those around you that you go to school with, that you work with, that you have in your family or neighbors, friends. Maybe they don't see the distinction and they think that you're just like them. Paul says there should be a distinctive mark in a follower of Jesus' life that says, I am different, I belong to God. You know why? Paul says in Romans 6, because you were bought with a price. You were no longer your own. Our lives don't belong to ourselves if you're a follower of Jesus. They don't belong to your jobs. They don't belong to your stuff. They don't belong to Netflix. They don't belong to your hobbies. They don't belong to the gym. Often people think that the money or time, when, when we talk about sacrifice and what God is calling us to sacrifice, if I just throw in an extra 20 bucks in the offering or I give some money to a homeless guy on the street or if I get up 30 minutes earlier every morning to pray or if I'm on time for church this week, then that's good enough. Friends, listen to me. God doesn't want your money or your time. He wants you. He's not concerned with those things. He's concerned about you. We make God a priority in our lives by giving those things, money and time to God. But God wants all of us, not just those areas. Hmm. Worship means that every aspect of my life belongs to God. Worship is surrendering all of my life to Jesus every day. And this is hard. I mean, come on, let's get real. This is not an easy thing, is it? Surrendering. Surrendering to God is talking about giving up control. And none of us like to give up control. I don't care if you're a control freak or not. None of us like to give up control of our lives. Our, you know, over these, these areas of our life. And what's interesting is God is not saying that you've got to give up control of every little area of your life. Friends, listen, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm looking for God to tell me what I'm going to eat for breakfast today. God is not going to take the time to give you instructions on what you should eat, whether it's oatmeal or eggs this morning. You know what I'm saying? We're not talking about every little detail. We do need to make choices in our daily lives. Please understand. Tell the person next to you, you got to make some choices, all right? We do. We have to. You you could get paralyzed in all of this if you're not careful and you say, well, I'm just belonging to God. Just tell me what to do, God. And God is saying, get up, out of bed, put some clothes on, get a job. You know what I'm saying? Or whatever. Right? Come on. So we have to make choices. But surrendering all of my life has to do more with 
the, the big picture of my life, where I'm going. Surrendering to God is more about lining up with, with what God wants. It's aligning myself. It's, it's following him as he guides us. I don't know if you've ever thought about it, but that's why some people raise their hands in worship. This is a very physical, demonstrative thing when people raise their hands. Some of us were raising our hands in worship this morning. I like to think when I raise my hands, I like to think it's, it's kind of like um, raising my hands in surrender, you know? And, and, and it's, it's, a, it's a, a way for me to express, God, I am dependent on you. I surrender to you. I surrender to your will. I surrender to your way in my life today. And I, I try to do this quite often. There, listen, there's something about becoming a, a worshiper, not just in heart, not just in mind, but also in body that's important. Because our posture makes a difference. And I, I have I never, I'll just be honest with you, I've never found this to be more true than over the last couple of years. And, and it's not even so much with worship as much as it is for prayer with me. I, if you would go to my office, it's a messy office. It's just, you know, I've always been told that's a sign of working. But anyway, um, it's a messy office, but there's one chair that's off to the side near a window. And I have it there not for you to sit down in. I have it there because that's my chair where I go to to pray. I used to come in here and I'd pray right there at that altar in that corner. There's something about a posture of prayer that really helps me. It helps me to focus. When I kneel before God, it helps me to focus. It helps me to get my eyes, and this chair is kind of curved, and I just kind of get in there, and, and I, I take my glasses off so my, everything is blurry around me. And so I, I, I just get in there, and I focus. It helps me to focus because I bet you are like me in that I kind of have prayer ADD and all those kinds of things, and I just I get going, and if I hear the clock ticking, it's bugging me, you know, those kinds of things. Anybody else like me in that? things? And, and so I just... It's, it's my posture that helps me focus. In the same way, it's my posture, physical posture, that helps me worship. I remember years ago in Bible, Bible college, one guy was teaching on worship, and he said, when you, when you raise your hands to God, it's like a little child saying to daddy, pick me up. I want to be with you. Pick me up. That's the way we need to think about it. Don't ever be afraid of raising your hands in worship. You know what's crazy? We raise our hands for all kinds of things, right? What's the song about raise my hands like I don't, just don't care? You know what I'm saying? You know, we, we go to sporting events, and we get all excited. What do we do? Woo, yeah, you know. We, we get excited about things, and we have no inhibitions about expressing it physically, high-fiving people you don't even know, right? And yet when it comes to the worship of God, it's like our hands are glued to our sides. Now, I'm not saying we need to go crazy in this, but I think a little crazy is okay sometimes. I think there's a freedom that comes in worshiping when we realize all that God has done in our lives. And we can worship him. And we can say, Father God, I depend on you. Father God, I want you to know that I love you. Father God, I need you. Man, if you need God, what a, what a, what a posture to have. If you need God to do something in your life, whatever it is, what a posture to take. Of saying, you, God, you're the one that I need. More than anybody else, more than anything else. You know why? Because God's in control. The Father is in control. He knows what he's doing. There was a pastor of a, of a small church in Scotland. This is a true story. 
He was being questioned by the elders because the growth in his church that year, people coming to Christ was, was very limited that year. There was very little growth. And so the elders pulled him aside and said, hey, we, we want to know what's going on. It's not, it hasn't been a really good year for us. And the pastor said, yeah, it's been a lean year, but there's, there's always little Bobby. Most of the church had overlooked the small boy who was saved and had given himself fully to God. It was in a church service that it happened. It was right after a missionary had shared, and they were receiving an offering. And the offering plate was being passed through the rows, and little Bobby didn't have any money. True story, didn't have any money to give. And so he asked the usher to put the plate on the floor. The usher was kind of puzzled as why he was asking to do it, but he went ahead and he put it on the floor. And Bobby stepped into the, into the offering plate, and he said, I have nothing to give so I'll give myself. Hmm. Now, even though he was reprimanded by the church that day for being a disruption in the service, little Bobby grew up to become missionary Robert Moffat. Some of you may know this name. With his partner, David Livingston, Robert Moffat gave his life to reach the continent of Africa with the message of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul has in mind when he writes, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Would you bow your heads with me? So all week I knew where I was going with this message. All week, actually for about six weeks now, I knew that God wanted me to share about Romans 12. Because I felt like it was for us as a church. It was for you as an individual. The only thing I didn't know was where he wanted me to go when we, when we ended it. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. God, where do you want to go with this? How do you want to wrap this up? It's not just an end of a message. It's an end of a series. And on Thursday afternoon, I started feeling like God was talking to me about us some of you how there are some things in our lives that um, kind of feel out of control kind of feel um, a little vague some things in our lives that can be overwhelming some things in our lives that we have no answers for no solutions for God was saying, there's some of us here at Pathway Church, we're followers, we follow Jesus. We have some things in our lives that we need to surrender. Now, I know Paul's talking about all of life, but some of us, we have some specific things, and I guarantee you, they're already coming to your mind, because the Holy Spirit kind of works that way. And there's something in your life that's holding you back from being fully surrendered. And he wants you to surrender today. So we got a couple of songs we're going to sing together, but remember, these are not just songs to sing like karaoke. These are songs to engage in. That's what worship's all about. And these songs call you 
to surrender. And so I really, I'm really not even looking for you to sing it with me. In fact, we're going to teach you a new one. I really don't even look for you to sing it with us today. I hope it becomes your prayer. I hope it becomes what you want to do today with your heart and your life. I would much prefer for you to find a place to get along with God. Whether it's here in the steps on front, maybe it's on the sides of the altars, wherever it is, right at your seat. You would just kneel before God and say, God, there's some stuff in my life I got to surrender to you. Because I'm not fully surrendered. I've been holding on to this stuff. I've been trying to fix it myself. And I got to surrender it to you. There have been things in my life, sin and behaviors and lifestyles in my life that I have not surrendered to you. And I got to turn it over to you today, God. There have been attitudes, habits. I got to turn them over to you, God. You're calling me to surrender. Maybe you're in this room and you would say, I've never really even stepped into a relationship with Jesus. Today's the day to make a choice. You say, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I want him to come into my life and to be the leader of my life from this day forward. That's called salvation. That's called being saved, being made brand new. Maybe that's your day today.